the Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily this day are offered in the praise of God for our community within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written and emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst. And as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us here in worship. We gather in the spirit of one who wrote and sang, Unite the pair so long disjoined, Knowledge and vital piety, Learning and holiness combine, Truth and love for all to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
we pray. Grant us, O Lord, to trust in you with all our hearts, for as you always resist the proud who confide in their own strength, so you never forsake those who make their boast of your mercy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives with you, with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. We begin our service week by week with a moment of confession and contrition. It's almost as if our regrets, human they are, our failings, typical of our condition they are, are swimming hard to be received across a great water by a loving, divine embrace. Let us offer our prayers of confession confidence that they as immigrants, as immigrants, are swimming toward the poetry of Emma Lazarus. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free the restless refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the lost, the tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. May we pray. Hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth of this month they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on, put it on the two doorstops and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night. 
They shall eat it roasted over fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it. Your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. And on, on, all, the, on, on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you. When I strike the land of Egypt, this day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate, you shall celebrate it as a festival of the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 13, verses 8 through 14. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. 
Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 149 with the Antiphon. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel be glad in its maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with victory. Let the faithful exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their couches. Let the high graces of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands. To execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. To bind their kings with fetters and their nobles with chains of iron. To execute on them the judgment decreed. This is glory for all his faithful ones. Praise the Lord. for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Glory to you, O Lord. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. <clears throat> it did feel so very good to return last Sunday to our own home church, to our own congregation and community, to our own pulpit, that pulpit for which we are current temporary stewards all together. You know, it's like when you've been away for a weekend or a week and you come home and you turn the latch, the key, and you lift the mail from the floor, and you put on the light, you go down to the refrigerator to see what may have arrived or departed since you left, though that's impossible, the door was locked, why do we do that? 
You have a sense, a sensibility of being at home, of being at peace. It reminds us of who we are. Last Sunday, following worship amid the matriculation activities and madness, our astute, attentive usher team had the presence of mind to make sure that a couple who were here for worship, they came 50 years to the day after they had been married at this altar, September 3rd, and The ushers made sure that they had a chance to greet the dean and vice versa. And we spoke with their best man and maid of honor and asked, of course, 50 years, what is your secret? And without batting an eye, without missing a beat, he said, she is the secret, you see. It reminds us of who we are. This couple had been met in... Kingston, Ontario, many years earlier. That's a beautiful college town on the north shore of Lake Ontario, one of the Finger Lakes. They had met there, and we, our family, many times, 30 years ago, a generation ago, would travel to Kingston, Ontario, that beautiful college town along the lake shore, because it was only two hours away, and for $200 American, a strong dollar. You could have a few days with children together to watch them in the winter, swimming in the pool and playing in the inside gym and laughing and enjoying growing up and their parents watching them growing up in Kingston, Ontario. This year we returned at the very end of June and there met with two other couples along the poolside They were a generation, well, they were as we were just a few years ago, and they had their children who were playing in the same places and throwing the same football and swimming in the same pool and laughing with the same gaiety and making the same splash. What one would give for 30 minutes of a return to such a moment. We spoke with them, one English-speaking and one French-speaking, one from Ontario, one from Quebec. They were headed, though not together, the next day to Ottawa for the celebration of the sesquicentennial of the Dominion of Canada. All six of us in that circle could remember 50 years earlier a trip to Montreal and the Montreal Exposition for 100 years in 19. 67. We talked as travelers do. And after a while, they spoke about Justin Trudeau and his wife Sophie, whom they would see the next day, Canada Day. And after a while, as familiarity developed, she, the English wife, said, You know, I don't really know how to put this, but when we're with them, when we hear, our Prime Minister. It's just that uh, he reminds us of who we are at our best. He reminds us of who we are at our best. Can you hear that? Can you feel that? Now the sermon might have taken a left turn at this point, but 
The question for us this year is, who reminds you of your own best self? Who reminds you of your own most self? Who reminds you of who you are? This is a season of remembrance, autumn to spring, a season of remembrance together. So we are delighted you're with us in ministry at Marsh Chapel to lift and live out our envisioned mission, envisioned to be a heart in the heart of the city and a service in the service of the city, the global city. Today, this morning, listening with us are members and family members, friends in circles in Fort Lauderdale and Sarasota and Tampa and San Antonio, our preacher from two Sundays ago. We are together in Christ in this moment across the globe. We are inviting you then and to enjoy and to lean into our mission. So Mr. Bouchard will invite you to acts of hospitality and tithing and evangelism. Dr. Jarrett will invite you to sing in one of our half a dozen choral ensembles, the choir. This is a bumper crop. Welcome to you. Jessica Chica will invite you to roll up your sleeves and cook with the international community. Brother Whitney will engage you in ministry with generating another generation of leaders in vocation and ministry. And I will invite you, those who are so moved, to join this church, this chapel, on October 22nd. You mark the date. For this is a season of remembrance. Who reminds you of who you are? Whose example? Whose life? Whose voice? Whose books? Whose being calls forth your own best self? September 17th, in that spirit, we will remember Elie Wiesel. October 29th and November 12th, we will remember Martin Luther. February 15th and following, we will remember Thomas Merton. And April 4th and all that week, we will surely remember the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Come with us. Come alongside the ministry of Marsh Chapel in this season of remembrance. Ellie Bissell reminds us of who we are at Boston University. He of textual diligence who for four decades, thrice each autumn, spoke to more than a thousand present just nearby to set for us a moral Of course, every age needs that, perhaps ours as much or more than any other. We are tempted sorely, individually and particularly in public leadership, to exchange moral judgment for political opportunity, to exchange moral judgment for personal opportunity. And Elie Wiesel's voice with us still, warns, guides, like Victor Klemperer's two-volume memoir of the 1930s in Germany, I Will Bear Witness, daily journaling of how a little drip becomes a little storm, becomes a little wind, 
becomes a great hurricane of authoritarianism. From the beginning, as our President Robert A. Brown said so well at matriculation last week, Boston University has been open from day one to students and faculty without regard to race, gender, or religion. Black, female, Jew, all welcome from the first day. Ailey Wiesel's voice we remember this year, we're grateful for this year. He reminds us of who we are as Boston University. Martin Luther reminds us of who we are in religious life. Martin Luther, who 500 years ago, boy, that went by fast, nailed 95 theses to the door and Wittenberg. You remember him? Sola gratia, sola fide, sola scriptura, all right. Faith alone, scripture alone, grace alone, but more so, semper reformandum, always reforming. Real reformation is always reforming. That's why in religious life, we recognize that religion is like weather. Sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not. And you need a little bit of meteorological prediction and predilection to guide you through that. So we will remember Martin Luther, the great reformer. It's difficult, though, with balance to remember him. Protestant reformer, biblical genius, personal, person of courage, and virulent anti-Semite. You see how our work always reforming. Paul Tillich, taught us best about the Protestant principle that whenever what is relative becomes absolute, it requires a full, especially in religion, religious critique. Otherwise, you sink into sin, death, the threat of meaninglessness, pride, sloth, falsehood, superstition, idolatry, hypocrisy, wherever you lift, whether it's spirit or sacrament or scripture or all combined, we're going to be careful. Semper reformandum. Martin Luther reminds us of who we are in religious life. Thomas Merton reminds us of who we are in Christian life across the globe. He who died 50 years ago, whose artistic spirit, whose international range, whose personal mysticism, whose Catholicism and universalism, and whose brilliant writing keeps before us the potential in Christianity. We said farewell and buried and memorialized a dear soul friend of ours this past week, of whom her daughter said she had a light touch, a little whimsy, and deep wisdom. So with Merton, who carries us forward to the better angels of our nature, who speaks for the Christian community today? Nine in Nashville two weeks ago, straightforwardly denigrated and dehumanized across the globe anybody who wasn't straight. Does the Nashville Nine speak for Christianity? To this date, 81% of our sisters and brothers evangelical Christians have, without recantation, 
continued to support the demise of society, culture, and politics in this land of the free and the home of the brave. A culture that languishes in the doldrums of a pervasive malaise. Who is to speak for Christendom? You won't be surprised to hear that there's a hunger and a thirst across this land for another voice, now muted, but it will emerge. It's no surprise that your dean was invited to speak and preach this past summer 18 times. That's more than twice the average. Why? Because people are listening for something other than the Nashville 9 and other than the Evangelical 81 and something like preaching that is theological, historical, biblical, practical, in a word, liberal. Thomas Merton reminds us of who we are as global Christians. Come April, of course, it's something that not everyone is quite caught up with, the date we mean. We will remember Martin Luther King Jr., whose monument we pass by every Sunday in worship here. This is 50 years now, April 4th, 2018, to the date of his murder in Memphis. We are grateful for the beauty of the sculpture that adorns and beautifies Marsh Chapel and identifies and greets those entering this sanctuary. We are grateful that we're not struggling as my beloved brother's law alma mater, which he loves very much, Washington and Lee is doing. We have other statues, and we can be grateful, but you know, Marsh Chapel, Martin Luther King reminds you of who you are, and that gift, as with every gift, comes with a great task, beginning with a season of remembrance, regardless of what others near and far will or won't do, will or won't engage, your task as a community come April is to remember with thanksgiving the sacrificial redemption in that one life. Martin Luther King reminds us, reminds us against a cultural amnesia taking us toward authoritarianism, reminds us against a Christological Amnesia taking us toward exclusion reminds us against a collegiate amnesia taking us toward silence, silence, quiet that voice. He reminds us, he reminds you, Marsh Chapel, of who you are at your very best. That is, this is a season of remembrance wherein we will wait to hear a word of faith in a pastoral voice toward a common hope, a common hope, a common hope that this warming globe caught in climate change, can you feel it this morning, will be cooled by calmer heads and cooler hearts and keener minds, a common hope that this globe armed to the teeth with nuclear weaponry will find its way to detente and peace through deft-practiced diplomacy, a common hope that this culture awash all around us, which has lost its moorings, 
will find the better angels of its nature again, the song and the bell and the story that makes us our own most best selves. A common hope that this nation fractured by flagrant inequality between rich and poor children and now between children who go to bed peaceful and children who go to bed anxious will find a way to rise up and make safety available to all and education available to all and health care available to all. A common hope that our schools and colleges and universities, beginning with Boston University, will find a way to balance a love of learning with a sense for meaning, a regard for knowledge with a respect for goodness, a capacity for discovery with a thrill for recovery, a common hope that two and a half months from now you can go to Thanksgiving dinner with your family, 69 million on one side of the table and 70 million on the other, and pass the dark meat and pass the light meat and pass the squash, pass the potatoes, and not only eat turkey but talk turkey and speak to one another with compassion and kindness and listen with care. A common hope, and we're all going to get there, that our grandparents, our grandfathers and mothers, when they come to the age of their dotage and need, will be cared for in the way that the Decalogue teaches. It's a warning. Honor your father and mother that your days be long upon the earth. A common hope, finally, that is not of this world or of this world alone, but of this world is a field of formation for life in another world. Not just life, but eternal life. Not just creation, but new creation. Not just health, but salvation. Not just this world, but the world to come. Not just earth, but heaven. Listen for a a word of faith in a pastoral voice toward a common hope in this season of remembrance Wiesel said, one who hears a witness becomes a witness. He reminds us of who we are at Boston University. Luther said, here I stand, I can do no other, God help me. He reminds us of who we are in religious life. Merton said, I am love, my identity is love, my character is love. He reminds us of who we are across the Christian globe. And Martin Luther King, quoting Theodore Parker, reminds us, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. It reminds you of who you are. For those listening from afar especially, come with us this year. Te invito, I invite you. Come and join with us in this season of remembrance. Amen. We now come to a time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord.
creator of the universe. It is a miracle. It is a miracle to be alive and well. We pray that we understand this in the wake of natural disaster and destruction. We pray for the victims of the earthquake in Mexico. We pray for those in the Gulf and in the tropics who are recovering from Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Harvey. We pray for those preparing for Irma and Jose. We pray that we see the miracle that it is to be alive as collections of atoms forged in stars that over many years traveled through different cosmic events until settling upon our mode of dust where the remnants of dead stars became organic molecules and then finally life. We pray that we see the sacredness in what we are momentary insignificant breaths of starry vapor here for moments and then gone in cosmic timescales we pray that we see that we these brief beings these brief breaths can through our actions change the very nature and climate of the mode of dust we live on we pray that in the midst of our changing climate we would see the significance in our action or in action. We pray that through the ground of being, we may see that inaction is action and that all actions are significant. We pray that you would move us as beings grounded in you to hear your voice and understand the gravity of our actions as beings and of its impact on nature, on your creation. And in it all, we pray that our lives reflect this understanding of significance, and that we hear your calling and move to the aid of our planet. We pray for researchers, for policymakers, and for leaders. We pray for every being to see where they have an impact, for we all live on this mode of dust together. We pray for the leadership around the world, that bridges would be built and walls lowered. We pray that we see not only the significance of our lives, but also the significance of the lives of others. For it is the one who took on insignificance to show significance that taught us that our actions done to other beings are actions done to you. And if, act, and if inaction is action, then we pray that our hearts would break for what breaks your heart. We pray for hope in the midst of these tensions, that we see the hope and that we strive to live out as the hands and feet of the one who took on insignificance, the show significance, and taught us what it meant to be. And it is in the power of this one's name, Jesus the Christ, that we pray. Amen. And now, as Christ has taught us, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel. My name is Brother Larry Whitney. I have the privilege of serving as university chaplain for community life here at Marsh Chapel. On behalf of all of us in the ministry, hospitality, and music departments, be welcome. Please, uh, we encourage you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew passing that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. Today begins our children's ministry. Those of you with children or those of you who are children in our midst and would like to participate are invited to join uh, Devin and Nick and Savannah in the narthex. You may exit during the final hymn this morning. Also, following the service today, we hope you will join us out on the BU Beach, that is the lawn adjacent to the chapel, for our annual Welcome Back Barbecue. Uh, Come for food and fellowship and friendship. Next week begins our uh, Bible study series following the service. Our book group has already started beginning this morning at 9.45 a.m., led by the Reverend Jennifer Quigley. You may still join that group uh, by being in touch with her, but next week, uh, Bill Quartz begins our Bible study studying the Gospel of Mark beginning at 12.30 downstairs in the Thurman Room. Please join as you are able. Here with a few announcements from our music department is our director of music, Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett. Good morning, everybody. Nice to see you. We have 15 new members of the Marsh Chapel Choir singing this morning, and they're doing a great job. Welcome to you all. If this is your first Sunday today, we're really happy you're here. We have one more round of auditions this coming Thursday, and so if you're interested in participating in the Chapel Choir, we invite you to come this Thursday at 6 o'clock, or you can email us the email address I'll tell you in a moment to be part of that. Today also starts our Thurman Choir, which is our non-auditioned ensemble that uh, meets every other Sunday after church in the 1230 hour will begin downstairs 1230 today in the Robinson Chapel. If you want to be a part of the Thurman Choir, please join us then. We'll sing three times in the service this semester, again next semester, and in Chichester Psalms of Bernstein in our concert uh, at the end of the year in April. Thurman Choir is a wonderful, uh, wonderful ensemble leading in our community. All ages, all abilities, please come 1230 today. Also, the Inner Strength Gospel Choir meets in the nave here uh, on Sunday nights at 7.30. Uh, and if you're interested to be a part of the Gospel Choir, come uh, 7.30 tonight. You can meet uh, Herb Jones, my colleague, who leads that ensemble. For interest in all musical activities, you can write us at musicmar at bu.edu. That's musicmar, shh, no S-H, <laughs> musicmar at bu.edu, and we'll be delighted to help you uh, find a musical ensemble that fits your needs and interests. I should also say that my colleague, Michael Enright, leads the uh, music for the Catholic Masses later in this space uh, on Sundays, and I'm delighted to connect you to him if you're interested to participate in music for the Catholic Masses that occur in this room on Sundays. I think that's all I'm supposed to say. Thank you, Brother Larry. Bach is coming soon. Stay tuned for Bach. Music, mar at bu.edu. Thank you very much. Thank you, Scott. All of our regular weekly programming is beginning this week, and more information about that can be found in your bulletin or on the chapel website at bu.edu slash chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. This week especially, we are encouraging a variety of forms of giving here at Marsh Chapel. 
Of course, as Hurricane Irma is beginning her assault on the southern tip of Florida this morning, even as we speak, we encourage you to give generously through a variety of means, whether it's the United Methodist Committee on Relief, information about which is available in your bulletin, or any of a number of other denominational or non-denominational organizations, such as the American Red Cross. We encourage you to give generously in support of those who are being affected by Hurricane Irma and who are in the process of just beginning to recover from the effects of Hurricane Harvey on the Gulf Coast in Texas and Louisiana. In addition, we're taking a special offering this morning in support of undergraduate discernment here at Marsh Chapel through our Marsh Associate Internship Program. That program began about 10 years ago and has provided the opportunity for undergraduates to explore their vocation, their sense of calling in and through the church uh, and religious life here at Marsh Chapel. A number of those folks have been involved in reading here this morning. Uh, and it provides, and, and are also involved in leading things like children's education and like MOVE, our Marsh organization for volunteer engagement here at Marsh Chapel. Those opportunities have led uh, undergraduates who have graduated from that program on to seminary, to long-term mission service programs, uh, and to a variety of forms of uh, religious and secular engagement uh, toward the betterment of our world uh, after their time here at BU. So we encourage you to support that program generously in the white envelope to be found in your bulletin, uh, a special offering for that this morning. Again, that's the Marsh Associate Internship Program. And then, of course, as always, we are deeply grateful for your regular giving to support the full and wide ministry of Marsh Chapel at Boston University in the offering plates. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate on Rafon Williams' setting of Psalms 84 and 90, Oh, how amiable. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Gracious God, we give thanks for the gifts you have given us, and we ask your blessing on this offering, that it may be used to fulfill your dream for this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes God's hand to you, the blessing of God Almighty, creator, redeemer, and sustainer be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. <laughs> 